It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Yeah, I had that, that problem there. Hey guys, I'm Si and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Andy Campbell Football Show. This is episode number 78. The show is live on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. Ace Podcast Nation is also your home to many great shows and series featuring top guests, experts, analysts and more. So please follow us on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel to keep up to date on upcoming shows and guests. And uh, you could also get the audio versions of every single show at uh, your usual podcast and radio platforms, as well as uh, follow just the Andy Campbell shows on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at AC Footy Show. And uh, yeah, so just as we wait for the chats to fill up on the various platforms, uh, a big thank you to Black Diamond Sports. Black Diamond Sports is a global sports agency representing sports stars from around the world. For more information, you can visit their social media pages and their website. Links to both uh, in the description as well as in the closing credits at the end of the show. And uh, today's show, as as usual, sponsored by uh, Darren Ralston and Bespoke Financial. And uh, here's a quick word from them. My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my Auntie Louise told Mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if Mummy or Daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so it wouldn't get taken away. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and Mummy and Daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. 
yeah uh, bespoke financial specialising life insurance critical illness income protection mortgages and sports cover and uh, we thank them for sponsoring the show so with no further ado joining me this evening first of all if the gold collector the fox in the box still the king of the millennium stadium and still davy jones his favorite son ex cardiff city and middlesbrough striker the goal machine of the middlesbrough over 40s mr andrew campbell how goes it my friend hello mate um yeah this is a this is a big one for me because i was uh, i was fortunate enough to um uh, to obviously play with our guest and uh, he helped me um in a number of things uh, both on and off the pitch for me so this is a uh, yeah I'm, I'm 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 looking forward to digging digging deep and and reliving some of the things that i watched as a young lad coming up you know i'm going to make him feel a little bit old because um you know i remember him i remember him back in the day further before i got luckily enough to play with him as a young lad so i'm looking forward to it yeah, me too, mate. I'm looking forward to speaking to one of my uh, one of my heroes growing up. who's just a legend of the game, so it's going to be good. But uh, tonight's guest started his career at Doncaster Rovers before playing for some top clubs around Europe, including Leeds United, Benfica, Middlesbrough, West Ham, Leicester, and more. As well as in- representing England three times, it's the legend that is Mr. Brian Dean. Welcome, Brian. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks, guys. That intro is too good for me. <laughs> hey, it's not, mate. Don't give yourself some uh, unjust credit, mate. I tell you, I tell you, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. You've had a, I, I had a, I had a great career, and I say I was, I was fortunate enough to share a changing room with you, Bryce. I, you know, I mean, I'd like to say that I do, I do know you pretty well, and um, I know what will get you ticking and things. But um, what I'd like to know before, uh, obviously, we go into some of the huge clubs that you played for. Obviously, Middlesbrough, just to name one. Um, what got you into what got you into football and what you know what I mean obviously you got brought up in a um, in, in Yorkshire you were you were born in you were born in um, born in Leeds and obviously played in the Yorkshire area for yeah. huge chunks in your career so how how was Yorkshire a factor in football and how did you get into football itself? Well, I always I, well first of all my um, my heroes growing up were I, I the first World Cup I saw was the nineteen seventy eight World Cup and um, or the first one I can remember. Uh, and and I took a lot of um, inspiration from the Argentinian team. I remember my first pair of notable um, football boots were a pair of Puma World Cup Minotis, which were named Oof. after the, um, the, ma- the 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 manager Cesar Minotti. Legends. And um, the uh, what was it? And the other one was a pair of Patrick Keegan tops. And I and I actually remember I was talking to somebody the other day about this actually used to go to bed with them and you used to in them days the leather was quite hard so you'd like like press top as possible my 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 you know i mean we're going back to 1978 so you know for me it was very limited what you could actually um in terms of what football you got to watch so you know it was a cup final it was perhaps a little bit of match of the day um but I think uh, the, the World Cup was very inspirational for me, um, you know. So, so that's really where it all started. I went down to, um, I went for trials with with a club, a very very uh, famous club in Leeds called Yorkshire Amateurs. When I was ten, eleven years old, myself and and another, and another lad from my school. Um, They've got a good was, track record, Brian. Haven't they? They've got a really good track record about bringing yeah, players through. Yeah, they have, and and, and I mean. <laughs> You know, it, it was 
you know, there were, I think Gary Strodder played there. Yeah, he did, Fred yeah. Mann, and Andy Watson, who played for Swansea, you'll know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy's, Andy's a very good uh, friend of mine, actually. We grew up in the same street. Um, Clive Freeman, you know. So, you know, it, it, it's it's funny how you kind of look back on your childhood and, and some of the things that happened shaped my kind of desire to play football. And, 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 and a lot of that was based on the fact that, you know, my, my parents... They always had to work hard. My dad, you know, worked these shifts. My mum was always working. And, and the love of football came from myself, you know, with them supporting me. Um, with, with, you know, if I needed boots or whatever, if I needed bus fare, you know. So so it was, it was something that, you know, I was never kind of pushed into it by my parents. It was just, I grew up with a dream. And um, fortunately for me, that that kind of desire never really burnt out. That's a great thing. It's a great it's a great startup, you know. And it, it reminds me similar of um, of teams in the northeast that that obviously we were quite lucky around here. You know what I mean? And I'll go to, I'll go to a, a team which obviously I didn't play for, but uh, Walls and Boys Club, for example, in Newcastle players. You know, most famous in where Gaza came through, Shearer came yeah. through, etc. You know that. That the Yorkshire amateurs and teams, the Martins of this world, who, who, who I came mm-hmm. through uh, as a young lad, who, who Stewie Downing, Jonathan Woodgate, etc. So, you know, I mean, they have this affiliation with um, with players to come through. You know, what I mean, international footballers, yeah. Premier League yeah. footballers, etc. And it's it's great to see because it gives the the next generation of players that hope and the dreams that they can aspire to be the next Brian Dean or the next Jonathan Woodgate or the next Alan Shearer, the next Paul Gascoigne. And it's great for kids because money's generated into these clubs because of those ex-players and you know what I mean the facilities are a lot better I'm guessing than, than when you played at, you know what I mean I remember I, I went yeah. down to the local, local area where, where I played and the facilities when I was there it was one pitch and we all shared the same pitch about 12 teams and it by by Christmas <laughs> the, the whole thing was wrecked and it was you know what I mean you were playing on, on mud hey, hey never mind by Christmas team on that pitch <laughs> by the afternoon it was like a mud bath you know, because the team before yeah. had turned it all up. I mean, it was just a different era, wasn't it? I mean, we, I, I think I think in those days we all had to be a little bit more resilient. I mean, you know, you talk about Sunday League clubs and these clubs coming through. I mean, a lot of them have been swallowed up by the fact that um, clubs take kids so young now into the academies and, and all the rest of it. And, it. and it just means that they don't get it's it's so focused on football that you don't get time to do anything else. Um, we we used to yeah. do things like we play cricket in the summer. We'd um, you know we used to play you know tennis everything, and um, that helped me to become a real rounded sportsman. I wasn't sort of like it wasn't like I was just put in a in a line and said right it's football or nothing. You, you know we had yeah. we were doing different things and. Look, I don't know whether it's a good system or not now. Um, I mean, I've not had any children come through, um, you know, and, and, and going into the system, so I wouldn't know. But I have friends, and they say, you know, right, you have to come at this time. And it doesn't leave a lot of the, the lot for the kids, to, lot of opportunities for the kids to grow up. So, you know, when you talk about kids getting released at a young age, it can, I, I suppose, if I look at it, it can cause some issues. You know, being put in the system and then spat out pretty quickly. Mm. 
We can give you that. It can give you that hate for football as well, though, Brian, can't it? You know that I, I'm going back to my my time as a YTS, and um, and we've had like, we've laughed and joked on here with with people who um, with with old guests and and ex teammates of mine and players yeah. who I played against in the in the in the Pontins League and stuff that yeah. getting paid thirty seven pound fifty. And that, they were the happiest times well. of my life, you know, <laughs> happiest times of my life. And you know, what I mean, I, I was quite lucky because my brother was a YTS before me at a different club, so I knew exactly. That the expectations of scrubbing yeah. boots and cleaning toilets and playing yeah. football and late nights and early mornings and it was yeah. for me I wouldn't change it for the world but I, I don't I don't see the young players now getting um, getting the, getting the, that that kind of grounding. No, it's, it's totally different. I mean, my my journey was that I didn't actually get an apprenticeship, um, so so I I ended I broke my leg when I was 17, 16. Uh, brought my tibia fibula and uh, dislocated my ankle. Did a good and, job there, then, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it, 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 we we talk about resilience. I mean, for me, I, I was just determined. And the the way I came into football was I, I wrote down to Doncaster for a trial, um, and I was fortunate that the chief scout was a guy called Dave Blake. He was from the northeast, and he'd been the um, he was a chief scout at uh, Leeds United when I'd been there as a kid and recognised my name, invited me down. Um, but yeah, it's um, it, it's tough. It is tough, no doubt. And it was it was tougher then. But look, you know, if anybody says to me, you know, the more I think about it now, if anybody says to me, would you like to be playing now? I'd say yes, because as you pointed out, you know, the facilities are amazing now. You know, the training grounds are fantastic. Um, and everything's done for you, even more so than when we were playing and we thought we were molly, molly cuddles. Yeah. You look yeah. at it, <laughs> you look at it now, and it's look, you know, it's it's. I wish I could play football for a, a, a hundred years. We all mm. do because once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. And um, when I when I talk to young kids, I always try to tell them make the best of whatever opportunities you got because. Here I am now at 52 saying that the, the, the best years of my existence in terms of being an athlete and all the rest of them are well behind me. And you should never really waste those opportunities in life. So, But look, that's just how I am. You know? I totally agree. I totally agree, Brian, because you, you're a long time retired as well, though, you know, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I, think, I think players think... Um, uh, the career is going to last forever. Uh, you know what I mean. You're going to play to your, this magic number of 35, and not everyone's that, that lucky to go that far. You know what I mean. You mentioned about players getting released, and um, obviously size boys in the system at Cardiff City and things. And it's uh, listen, uh, I I I sometimes one minute I, I'd love to be a footballer again. The next minute I think it would be my worst nightmare because I know what I know, and because I know what I know it would probably put me off a little bit. But um, yeah. listen, it was the best. The best, I wouldn't even call it a job, it's not a job, it was a hobby which oh, paid and it lucky. was just the best, yeah. a very, very lucky person who was, yeah. it was, it was very, to live a dream, you said, you said that, your words were you, you fulfilled the dream and you know what I mean, and that dream was just, it's never ending as well though because something that I'm going to talk about later on and, and I'll mention these words again, that, that, that word dream because it's just, it, it keeps on getting revisited all the time, my goal for Cardiff City, you know what I mean, it'll, it'll live in, in folklore for some people, you know what I mean, and, and, and it makes it more relevant for me and, and, and I love it because yeah. it's something that I'm very proud of because it, it reminds me of a happy time in my, in my football life and my career. Uh, and your but, life. Yeah, but I totally, yeah, totally agree. You know, what I mean? exactly. It's not just about football; it's about it's about life as well. You know, what I mean, my my kids, well, one of my daughters was born in Cardiff at the time, so it's it reminds me of everything. So it, it, it's quite emotional, really, to think about it. Um, 
Right, before we hit some of your, uh, some of your clubs, uh, we do this uh, section called Magnificent Seven. So it's seven um, quick-fire questions at you so the, 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 the viewers can um, um, get a little bit of, a, of an idea about you. A few of the questions can be um, uh, a, little bit, uh, a little bit interesting, so let's, uh, let's see how you go. Go on. Brian Dean, the Magnificent Seven. Uh, Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo. This is the easy one. That's the easy one out of the way. Uh, Sheffield United or Leeds? <laughs> done your homework here, haven't you? <laughs> um, okay, so I, I'm, I'm not going to just quick-fire questions. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> I, I would say... It's a difficult question for me, but from an emotional point of view, I have to say Sheffield United because that's where it all kicked off. And um, I still have a, a big connection there with everybody in the club, whereas I don't really have that with Leeds. I, I, I kind of... Leeds is a little bit different in that, you know, I live in Leeds, I'm from Leeds, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, everything about Leeds. But when it comes to actually being involved in the club, I don't really have the same... Uh, you know, I can't I can't rock up down to the club on a match day and somebody gives me a a, a, a um, ticket for the director's box. So, you know, that's that's the esteem with which I'm felt with down at Sheffield United. So I, I have to say, you know, that the, the directors down there, the the owners, you know, we we you know we talk about different things, or we used to before the the takeover, but. Um, yeah, so I have a closer affinity with Sheffield United. Cool. Like it. Uh, Favourite TV show? Oh, gosh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Too many to mention. I, I, we, you know, we, we, we like to watch things like the Ozarks. Um, I really Good like the boys one. at the moment. You know, a bit satirical, black comedy, um, all kinds of stuff. I watch a lot of YouTube now, actually find that a lot more interesting so i don't really have that you know I, I i don't really have sort of like one thing that i'll say right that's what i sit down and do um I, we're watching something called below deck at the moment which is like sticking pins in my eyes but i do it because this is, these are things we do um but yeah i i you know different things but yeah like it uh, angriest teammate hang on a minute Angry to me. Do you know what? I never really. There wasn't really anybody I can think of who was just angry all the time. Um, probably me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Don't get me mad. I'm a different person. So okay. I'd say me. Yeah, you <laughs> Honest answer, isn't it? Um, favorite manager to play for? Oh, very interesting one. Um, and oh in different ways, there's, there's different managers. So there were some people I enjoyed playing for. I enjoyed playing for Dave Bassett for obvious reasons. Um, Graham Souness, even Alan Pardew. I know he's not popular everywhere, but I enjoyed training. Um, you know, I loved Robbo, great guy. So yeah, I, I, I can't. listen. These questions are fair, man. Wait for the next one. Wait for the next one. Um, least favourite manager to play for? 
Oh, that one's easy. <laughs> Sam. Uh, I don't think I saw eye to eye with Kevin Blackwell. You're not the first person to say that on this no. show. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. I know. I and know. it was only a, it was only a few weeks ago as well. We had the yeah, same not even the same second way. person, I don't think, mate. Actually, no, I think you might. I think you, I think you might have just made a hat trick. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the final question. If you, if, you, if, you, if you played for him, you know why. Anyway. Well. <laughs> and the final question, my favourite: the greatest Englishman who's ever lived doesn't have to be football related. Greatest Englishman who's ever lived. So broad that question is. That is like, I mean, come on, man. Where, where are you? <laughs> where are these questions from, man. <laughs> Greatest Englishman that ever lived. I'm gonna say, you know what, Sir Tom. You know the guy who's just done 100 lengths. Oh, oh what a oh, shot! Great shot. Do you know what, and we have a, we've never got your answer to that because we started doing them after you kind of answered all your quick fire questions. Ask me later, and I'll have a think. On, yeah, we'll do it at the end. Yeah. So, um, uh, Brian's going to join us for the first hour of the show. I meant to say earlier, um, and then me and Andy are going to do all the other stuff that we normally do at the start. We're going to do it at the end. Um, but Brian, I have got a question. I've got loads of questions, but one of the questions I wanted to ask was: um, you just mentioned um, Graham Sooners a minute ago. Yeah. Um, and I'm genuinely interested in kind of what he's like, because, uh, how can I put this? He seems very angry, like on Sky a lot. And I do wonder if it's like a character um, that he's not, not a character, but like something that he turns up a little bit for his punditry and stuff, because it does make him very compelling to watch. But I kind of wondered if he was like that as a manager and to work with. Or what he's like, really? Yeah, I think if I'm being honest, I mean, I got on with Graham over in Portugal. I, I you know, I, I think um, as a man, I, I found him, you know, very much like a father figure. And, and and the story I'll tell you behind it is that, you know, he we we went out one time and he said, look, he said I don't. I, he had this reputation for for being, you know angry like you said you know when he was at Liverpool I had somebody who, who played under him and he had this reputation then he had a triple heart bypass and um, he said to me listen Brian it's not worth it you know what I mean it's not worth it I'm honest I'm going to tell you how it is I'll always tell you how it is but you know, I'm not going to stress myself out anymore he said when I was at Liverpool, it nearly killed me. And I thought after that, you know what? I want to live my life. I want to be happy. And and I, and, and I see that. He's got a lot of charisma, you know. Um, you can see is, the way he dresses and everything. He's like... Brian, is that, is that, is that, is that why he went abroad then? To, to, to enjoy a different... You know, probably a more, a more chilled out lifestyle and being in the public eye and being... I, in the... I don't think so. I just think that, you know... He, I mean, he went and played for Sampdoria, didn't he? And... Hmm. Um, we went to Galatasaray as well, didn't he? And for me, I look at foreign yeah. football, and obviously you'll tell me you'll tell me obviously your thoughts in a minute. But I see um, the demands of foreign football being probably higher at the time than than they were probably in in, in the UK. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, certainly, you know, you you kind of like they they, they take everything very personally, you know. Um, 
and they hang on every word that the fans um, and it, it must be stressful as a manager especially at a, a club like Benfica was mm. at the time um, but um, I, I, I think that I think that he just reached a, a place in his life where he just thought, you know what, I, I, I'm not going to take it beyond the stress level. If, if it ever gets too much, I'm just going. Um, but I would say this, you know, if he if, if he didn't like you, he didn't like you. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I think that's that's opposition players as well, though, Brian, because you see some of the, when he used to play for Rangers, some of the tackles. I remember my old man, uh, who's obviously a keen follower on here, and I'm sure he'll be watching that. Uh, he told me some of the stories about when he when he watched him from Middlesbrough, and he said he was a born winner. His tackling, his yeah. his his desire, you know, and, yeah. and and I see that as a pundit now. That yes, I do think sometimes that that they're told to act in a certain way and, and things for TV. But nah, as a player, nah, as a manager, he's, he's, nah, he's not he's not like that. He's um, he's he's very straight. Or he was with me, um, you know. But like I said, if there was. I have heard it from different people that if he didn't like you or if he didn't, if he had a, if he had a been his bonnet about you, then um, you know he, he would, it would almost be an instant campaign, you know, um, and yeah, we we had a we had a guy at um, Benfica called Amaral, and he was a Brazilian international. Um, he might, oh, you might you probably won't remember him, but he played in the um, World Club Championships when Man United went, and and, and Amaral that. was like the most chilled out person. Every day coming with his Walkman, and you know he'd be listening to the samba music, and I used to look at Graham, and he could just see steam coming out of his ears. <laughs> he just didn't, <laughs> he just didn't like like him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, you could say that he, he's. Um, you know, when you talk when you talk about his punditry, he gets a lot of stick for the way how his views on Paul Pogba are, yeah. for example. Um, you know, he's the one person who really kind of, when you talk about him, you can it polarizes you when you think about him. But he, you know, he's probably measuring him by his standards as a midfield player. It's funny, isn't it? All the players, you know, I've, I've mentioned Pogba and Amaral. They were midfield players and. You know, maybe there's a, there's an element in there that he's expecting more from these players, and and perhaps he doesn't he doesn't kind of eloquate it the right way as to what his you know what they should be doing for their reputation. But then that's guessing, natural, yeah, isn't it? Do you know what I'm I mean? guessing, like, it's, it's what he wants to see. He wants to see this in a player, so he's yeah, he's expecting to see this in a player, and he's not seeing it, and he's not seeing. Listen, these players, I just mentioned there, Paul Pogba. We're talking about a player now who's who's got undoubted talent. Who's an absolutely fantastic footballer. We can, we can yeah, but and and that's and that's what that's what that's the point he's putting across. But maybe he's not putting across in the in the in the best possible way. However, I put something very quickly to you. Roy Keane says exactly the same about Paul Pogba, but Roy Keane gives him credit when he does play well. Graham Souness, yeah, he I'm doesn't saying. give him the credit. He'll still say, oh, I want to see more from him or I want to see it every week or, you know, whatever it may be. But then it's interesting because obviously, like, you just, like you've just said there, Brian, it's because they're midfield players that Graham is kind of, yeah. you know, he's, he's looking from, at listen, it from we, his point of view. Yeah. Listen, we come from a different era now. You know, Roy Keane, Patrick Vieira, Graham Souness, they're like, that's what I call a winner. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Those guys, mm. I wish 
you know, I played with some great midfield players, but at the time that Patrick Vieira was playing, I didn't think there was anybody better than him. And yeah. if I look at Paul Pogba, that's what I expect. Yeah, he now, should be that, shouldn't he? Paul Pogba won't know who Patrick Vieira is, or he knows who he is, but he's never seen him play. Patrick Vieira was a Rolls Royce. And, mm. you know, I, I've said to people, if you had Patrick Vieira, Paul Pogba and Yaya Toure, what order would you put them in? And most of the people will say Vieira, Toure and Pogba. And you think, well, everybody's saying these things about um, Pogba. And I, for, for me as well, I, I, look, he's undoubtedly a talent, but I'm waiting for him to go to the next level. Yeah. It's like, I mean, what I'm saying is, look, we've had, we've had all these um, we've had all these results in the, the uh, Premier League, yeah, with um, players who, you, you know, like Liverpool get beat, what was it, 7-1-2? 7-2. 7-2, yeah. Yeah, Man United get beat 6-1. Leicester get turned over at home, right? Now, I'm telling you now, the reason why some of those results are going out of the eyes because some of the players are playing with a lot more freedom because they're 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 now realizing that not playing with crowds is less stressful hmm. so it tells you where the top one percent are you know the ones who can handle everything you know all of a sudden like now guys are playing with their shackles taken off let's see what happens when the crowds come back with some of these players whether they freeze or not and the reason why I say that is because I'm not going to lie to you. When I was struggling, there were times in my career when I was struggling for form. And if I was playing behind closed doors or if I was playing in that situation, it's easier when you make mistakes. You know, because it yeah. doesn't matter. No one's going to be shouting at you in the crowd. No one's going to be getting on your back. Yeah. But um, when, you, when, you're, when you put yourself like a Roy King, like a Patrick Vieira, like all of these, you know, the top, I would say the top one percent, yeah. That you you've got that in built. Graham Souness was the same, you know. He he won the European Cup. Um, you know, he went to Italy. You know, th these are these guys are winners, and I think that all they um, all they actually want is they want to see what the hype is about. And look, I've seen Paul Pogba do some brilliant things. I don't want to hijack the show by saying this, but. I'm just trying to give people an understanding of why people expect so much and why they're so critical of these players. It's because uh, I totally agree. I totally agree, Brian. You don't win the World Cup if you're a bad player. You don't oh. win this, that, whatever. You don't. You don't play for the best clubs no. in the world if you if you if you no. if you don't can't perform. So, so yeah. is the last thing I'd say on Pogba just to kind of tie it in a bow is mm. when you talk about the Torres, the Vieiras, and these mm. other players. The reason he gets uh, compared to them um, is because he has stature. The, the the stature, the physicality, but he has the ability to be all of those players and better. But he doesn't do it, and I think people feel like he's going to be one of those players who never quite kind of reaches what potentially is because he's undoubtedly <laughs> got the ability. Listen, I'll but... tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. Look at those three players and. One word, tempo, right? Them guys played at a tempo. They controlled the game. You know, the game, you know, the, this is what they talk about when they talk about the engine. You know, 
dictate the, the, the tempo of the game. Yeah, Vieira, Yaya Toure. It's like you watch, sometimes you watch basketball and you see Michael Jordan with like 10 seconds to go and they give him the ball and they, he needs to get a, a, a two or a three pointer. And, and it slows down and he's dictating. You know what I mean? That's what those guys could do. And, you know, I, that's what I want to see from... I think Pogba can do it, but I, I think that mentally, can he, you know... is If he had Roy Keane's mentality, then you've got a, you know, you've got a top, top player. And I think that's what, you know, people are waiting to see. Totally agree. Spot on. Um, so, Brian, just to bring it, uh, bring the conversation back to you. Um, we are well into the Premier League era. I think we're like 25, 30 years into the Premier League era. Uh, you kicked us off with the first goal of the Premier League era. What's, what does it feel like to be forever etched in history? Um, well, I, it's good. You know, I'm not going to lie. I mean... I hope that I've got the respect from everybody out there for doing it. I mean, I was just doing something that I love doing. And um, it was in an era when you had a lot of, you know, some of the forwards playing at the time, you know, you've got the um, Alan Shearers, um, you know, David Hurst, um, Ian Wright, Les Ferdinand, uh, um, all these types of people um, who, who were out there and, um, you know, the first game of the season, you know, it's me. So, yeah, of course it's great. And um, the, the funny thing is, is that I, I never really thought that much about it until I finished playing. And it, and it seemed to be that's when people really kind of used to remind me all the time that I was the first person. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice at the beginning of every season and so on. Um, Does it make it even better, Brian, knowing who it was against, who was in goal? You know what I mean? The magnitude of the ga of the games, for example, because obviously Man United is a big, like the biggest team in the world. So obviously, Peter yeah. Schmeichel being a being a, a world class goalkeeper, and obviously his son's still playing now, so there's always a link to the Premier League, and it yeah. and it always seems to come back in a, in around circles. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, Man United won the league that year, and if you look at their team, they had some real winners. Uh, mm. You know, all over the park. You know, front Mark Hughes. You know, Andre Konchelskis on the wing, Ryan Giggs. Uh, um, midfield, you had Ince, Keane, um, Pallister. We all know Pally. Um, Steve Bruce. Mm. Steve Bruce, yeah. You know, Dennis Irwin. Dennis Irwin. You know, Peter Schmeichel was the best goalkeeper in the world at that time. Mm. But we knew that um, by playing them on the first day of the season, we had more chance of winning that game because... You know, you look at Liverpool when they played Leeds United, for example. I mean, I know they got tonked yesterday, but um, the fact is, at the beginning of the season, clubs are still kind of finding their feet. So, mm. you know, we, we, yeah, I mean, if you look at the, in the context of it, of course, you know, I'd rather it was against Manchester United than, you know, somebody else, maybe a Coventry or somebody like that. It wouldn't have had the same meaning. Right, did you play in, sorry, and did you play in the game where Tony Yaboa scored that uh, famous volley. Were you still Me? at Leeds then? Yeah. Yeah, of were you at Leeds? I was. I thought you were. I was. I'm rubbish with dates, so I wasn't sure if it crossed over. What was that like? Just to like, it's another historic moment, which is, you know, that's been played over and over again, week in, week out. Listen, right, you're going to have to be specific because he scored that many goals that were just on a different level. 
Mm. Which which one was the best spry out of the two? I'll, I'll say the, the Wimbledon one or the Liverpool yeah, the one. Liverpool one, yeah. If it were me, oh, God, I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, the, 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 the Liverpool one was with wrong foot. You know, and like, you couldn't catch that. If you're right, if he was left footed, he probably couldn't. Well, he would have done, but most people couldn't have caught it as sweetly as he did. No, no. But if you look at what he actually did at Wimbledon as well, you know, he's he's actually shifted it from off his knee onto the other side and he's hit a half volley. So technically, both of them were just unbelievable strikes. And um, was the Liverpool one after the Wimbledon one? Is that right? Uh, I'll tell you now. I got the dates. So the Liverpool one was ninety five, ninety six. Was that the week? Was that a few weeks after though? The Wimbledon one was a couple of weeks later. Was it? Yeah. For it me, was... the Liverpool one it, it, it's it's iconic because it was a it was a sky it was a live sky game. Was it Monday yeah. night or something? And it was just hits the bar and when he, yeah, and when he did it and it was just it, yeah. And I think it was smoke. the moments in games. It was just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he scored a goal against West Ham, which. You know, if they didn't have nets on it, that'd still be travelling now. <laughs> and, and, um, but one of the the other famous goal, the other goal that he scored, which I've never done this before, but when we we played Newcastle away and we we hit him on the counter attack, and um, remember Pavel Cernicek came out, God rest his soul, and um, it went round Pavel, and he ran the ball in like that with his arms up in the air. And um, I was just, I, I was laughing my head off because it was just so funny. It was, it was like doing a little jig before he um, put the ball in because no, nobody could catch him, you know. So there were so many iconic goals with Tony and, and um, it, was a, it was a joy to play with, you know. Um, yeah. Well, that, that, was, that was going to be one, one of my questions, Brian. At the, at the time, then, when, um, when obviously the, the, the success that you had at Leeds... Um, and the players yeah. what were coming through was he was he the best striker that you played with at Leeds and and obviously with him with him then bringing bringing players in of that kind of caliber was it a worrying time for you that you were going to play less football if they were bringing in players like that as well? No, not really. Um, you know, I mean, we we changed our we changed our formation and um, played like we were playing four four two and then when Tony came we played a four three three and. Um, what happened was I went and played on the left um, of a three, which which was fine by me because I used to. Uh, before I came to Borough, I was pretty quick, you know. So where I got it from? <laughs> yeah. So so I I was I play on the um, on the left of a three and and it and it worked really well for us because we had we had like myself, um, Tony, Rod Wallace. Sometimes no wheeling. Um, and then we play in the midfield. We had Gary McAllister, Gary Speed, Carlton Palmer. And there was just so much energy and tempo in that side that, um, you know, it, it didn't... I didn't... I, I felt that I was always going to play because I, I was... Um, I knew what I brought to the team. So I wasn't... Yeah, I had my... I had a few kind of issues with the manager at times. And... Um, you know, one once one time was when we we had the cup final, and um, the week before we played against uh, Everton on the box, and we played a weakened team. And I played in the game, and I remember the manager coming up to me and saying, "Oh, listen, you know, 
you know, you should be the first name on the team sheet. We've got a, we've got a cup final next week. Um, you know, I haven't decided what the team is yet. Um, but, um, you know, you, you know, I want, I need a good performance from you and, um, you know, that will help to make my mind up. And, you know, we, we played against Everton. We, I think we drew two all and I scored both the goals and got man of the match. And I didn't play the next game, the cup final, which we lost 3-0. And I knew, you know, so, you know, strange things happen in football. And um, yeah. I've got a good friend, Tommy Johnson, who played in the game. And he says, he says, Brian, in his, in his Geordie accent, he says, we, we couldn't believe when you weren't playing, man. You know, <laughs> that's right. Is that, ginger, is, that, is that ginger ale, Tommy? Yeah. 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 yeah Tommy, good Tommy, player. Yeah. Good player. And, um, I, you know, it's, it's, it, was a, it was really frustrating for me, that, because I knew as soon as I came back in the changing rooms, I knew I wasn't going to be playing and I knew that he'd already made his mind up, you know, and it's, yeah. you know, those kind of things are difficult to stomach as a player, um, yeah. you know, but, you know, look, it is what it is. I got played a year that year anyway, so, um, you know, that was... Makes up for sometimes. It's, it's just those moments, isn't it, where... Uh, you know what I mean, and 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 when and when people ask about about it's the best thing in the world being the foot being a footballer, it can also be the worst possible time as well because we we, we spoke about mental health, um, yeah. obviously in previous yeah. shows as well, and and I'm not saying yeah. uh, you know what I mean you you um, you're mentally unstable because you're not playing, but it it affects your mood, it affects the way that you think, it, it, it affects oh, God, you in loads yeah. of, loads of different ways, and um, and you know what I mean, and and Absolutely. as well being a footballer, if you haven't got a game for another week or two or yeah. international break or something, it yeah. can. It can fester on, and it's so. It's just. A, it though, can be a nightmare. I tell you a funny story about that um, that game at Wembley. Um, so, so we, we like I said, we knew what was going on, and um, in them days, you only cut out. I think it was two subs, two or yeah. three subs. Um, so, so anyway, um, Rod Wallace and Phil the singer, they were they were totally bombed and in the stand, and uh, they knew that I was absolutely peed off. You know, because I thought I should have been playing, and Rod actually, again, Rod, Rod should have been, you know, there or thereabouts. So anyway, when I got, when I was, when we went, we went one nil up. Sabo Milosevic scores a thirty-yard um, strike, and then we, you know, basically we're getting played off the park. And every time I got, uh, I had to get up, and I got told to go warm up. I was furious, you know what I mean? Because I was like, I don't want to be here because. Yeah. Is just I felt like this isn't right, but I'd look up in the stand and I'd see Rod and Phil, and they and they'd been they were pissed, <laughs> so they were like they, they were like <laughs> laughing their heads off at me. And um, you know, you look back at things like that, and uh, I'm glad that happened mm. because it makes you realize that nothing in life is really that serious. You yeah. know, I've got that memory to look back on, and it and it's made the whole event quite. Quite a happy, not a happy time, because we got beat three 0 and I hate losing. But it made it bearable the fact that I can look back and I can see Rod. Rod was like he was lean before the game. You know what I mean? He was like him, and they, they were steaming. And, um, <laughs> it was, you know, it was just, you know, that that's football. You know, you can't, you couldn't get away with it now. But um, it was football yeah. back then, I tell you. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which is a good part of it, uh, Brian. You just you mentioned uh, somebody earlier on. I'd like I'd like to touch on him if you don't mind, uh, and that's Gary Speed. Um, 
uh, and uh, there's been a few people talking about Gary recently, um, and all good by the way, because Gary obviously I met Gary um, uh, when his time at, uh, when he was with Wales and uh, and yeah. things, and when I was in Cardiff. So obviously they used Cardiff's Ninian Park as a training base when I was in, and I was yeah. fortunate enough to. Um, to meet him and, and get chatting to him a couple of times, and we're just a genuinely, genuinely lovely guy, and um, yeah. and just uh, you know, I mean, obviously a teammate of yours. So how um, how did how did what the events affect you personally, and um, and what was it like as a as a, as a footballer and as a man, more importantly? So, if I if I say a little bit about Gary, um, you know, Gary was is that you know genuinely he was a brilliant guy, you know, and we used to. We used to go out um, clubbing and drinking, and um, very, very attractive, handsome guy. You know, he was the kind of guy that, you know, he'd get all the attention. You know what I mean? Because he was a great footballer, um, but everybody just loved him. And um, Gary's the kind of person who, you know, if if he went into a shop and tried on a suit, it'd fit him perfectly. You know what I mean? And I, I had makes, to get my makes you sick, doesn't it? <laughs> makes you sick, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's like, you know, he could walk into like Hugo Boss or any of those, try on a suit and it'd like, it wouldn't need altering or anything. Whereas I was like, you know, 37 inside leg, <laughs> you know, and like, you know, so like if I get the jacket to fit, I'm going to be seven foot tall and all the rest of it. But um, he, he was just, uh, it was funny. He was. Mm. Um, Everything about Gary was as you see it. There's no, you know, it was no bull behind the scenes or anything. It was funny. We had some great times at the end of the season in Marbella. Um, you, you know, as a, you know, like the team bonding at the yeah. end of the season, and on the pitch as well. You know, he was he was a little bit unique at that time because he was so good in the air. It was technically very good. I mean, you saw up in the northeast at Newcastle, he was phenomenal. Yeah, he was excellent. Yeah. He went to Everton and did well. He was, at Leeds, he was brilliant. So it was really sad. I think it hit a lot of us because we, we don't know what caused Gary to take his life. But when you finish playing football, it, it leaves a, a real gap in your life. And... You know, I managed for two years and you get a similar kind of rush, but you can't be playing. And, no. you know, they're, they're, you know, we, you know, we have different challenges when we finish playing football. And one of the things that I, I, I'm, I'm very aware of now, one of the things that my, myself and our, our business um, model that, that I'm involved in is about plugging the gaps um that we never had when we were playing, um, you know, in terms of uh, making the transition from sport into business, for example, and, and when do you start preparing? How do you look after your money? You know, have you, you know, are you are you are you making sure that you're accountable for everything? These these are the um, these are the uh, the duties of the likes of us to pass down to the next generation and say, listen. You need to be accountable. Do not rely on anybody else to look after what you're doing because at the end of the day, like me or like anybody else, the older you get, the less the phone rings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. But you then know, it's, so it's like you said earlier, brother, wasn't it? You know that you're a long time retired and, yeah. and, and, and you just mentioned there, yes, you know what I mean? Is. And I'm, I, and I've been, 
I've been quite critical on here about about the PFA because um, you know that when when I when I left uh, when I packed in football, I was I was probably six months, nine months to a year lost. You know what I mean? Some some really crazy yeah. stuff was happening in my life, and and I, and I w- I'll be honest, there wasn't it wasn't looking a, in a, I wasn't in a good place, and I wasn't looking in a in a, in, a, in in the right avenues, and and then all of a sudden by an accident, I ended up um, being involved with 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 some of the guys there, and. You know what I mean? But I, I, I've, I've elapsed all that time, and some people weren't as lucky as as, as I was that um, that that have the that played as long as I had, and some some people like weren't as lucky that that they had a loving family like I had at the time. And, yeah. and you know what I mean? And, and listen, we've lost a um, a good friend of this show uh, this 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 year for somebody who's lost who, who took his own life, and you know what I mean? And, and because people look from the outside in and think that he, everything's rosy. Yeah, Chris Barker. Yeah, he played for Cardiff with me, and uh, he was he was uh, one of the coaches at Forest Green. So from the outside of looking in, he um, everyone thought he was he was happy. He was he was content. He'd had a he'd had a great career. He was straight in the coaching. And when you but, when you when you, you listen, let me let me say this right, and people out there won't realise this, but when when you finish playing, or when you are an ex-player, the problem you have is that when you leave your house. You put that smile on. You put that veneer on for everybody to look at, and yeah. and you're out there, and everybody thinks everything's fine. And then you come back home, and it's you don't you know it's a dark place sometimes, mm. and that's because you, you know I, I feel that there needs to be more accountability from you know you've got you've got kids now 20 years old earning more money than players in their prime. Playing for England back in our day, yeah, don't totally know agree. The value of money, mm. you know, don't know, you know, everything's done for people, and mm. and you know, it's a, it's a duty not just to keep pressing them forward with all of it. You have to, you have to let this make them understand what the value of X, Y, or Z is. Your your um, your duty to the community, you know, all of these things. They're all being lost. They're not. We're not making rounded human beings in football. We're not making rounded members of of society because yeah. we're putting people in bubbles. And then when they took them out at thirty five, there's no foundation. Totally agree. And totally agree. But this is what we have to, you know, people have to address it. And like you say, look, I'm not going to come on here right now because because we we all know. I know where you're coming at with with the statement that you made earlier, and I think that I'd say a good 80-90% of people who have played the game will agree with what you've said. Um, We we need accountability. We need transparency in the game. Um, You know, all these things. You know, football is a big enough community to be able to look after itself, Mm. you know? But are, are we doing it, or are we just... Ticking boxes and 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 and, and making the talk, token gestures, where mm. you know we talk we talk about the funding and all these things that we should be going out there into clubs and, and looking after players and making sure that they're rounded people who can fit into society. You know, so, I totally agree, because so, it's I, not just no 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 it's, no, no, it's, it's absolutely it's absolutely perfect, mate. It's it's a it's an area that we, that we've touched on previously. It's a it's a, it's obviously a passion of mine because um, because of the position I've been in and other people and and, and obviously with what, what with what happened this year and I, 
I see it on a daily basis, Bright, when, when, when you were a player, that, that you know everyone sees this being a footballer lifestyle of you go to training at nine o'clock and you'll be home by lunchtime. And yeah. people see that as a good thing. That could also be a bad thing, by the way, because you've got loads of time on your hands, which then is the thinking time. If you're on your own and you haven't got your family with you or you're, or you're in a hotel on your own because you, you spend a lot of time thinking about and listening to your own voice or in, in, yeah. in your own company, and it can be, it can be dangerous. Look, it, it, you know, look, it's... it's exactly that and and in, in some ways you have a club that has to focus on winning which mm. is fine you know but i've been a manager as well and and i do know that if you make more rounded people yeah you get better results yeah you know you, you get better no doubt people grow up they're mature you know they're more responsible you know how how you know you can't like i said you know, we have to teach the players what their responsibilities are to themselves. And, and I just, you know, as somebody who's kind of gone through it or looked from the outside, I'm wondering what people are doing. But, you know, I, look, you know, 30 years, you know, no, you know, it's like I, if I was a horse, I'd be in a glue factory now. You know what I mean? Because, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, you have... There, there are better people than me out there who have got a lot of experience who don't, you know, people don't take it on board. Clubs don't take it on board. Yeah. Because there's a, there's a real protection mechanism in there that doesn't serve the, the whole of the club properly. You know? Yeah, you know, I, I, totally, I totally agree. It? And this is something, it's an area which um, which has got to improve. It's got to, it's got to facilitate individuals, players, people, because that's what they are. They're not a... They're not a number, they're not a figure. They're a person, they're a real human being. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? For me, they've got to be trapped like that instead of, like you say, you know what I mean? Just a, yeah. just another, just somebody else. Um, right, an area that I, that I want to focus on, and that's obviously um, uh, playing for the national team. Um, obviously, you played for the, you played for England three times. Uh, you yeah. played for England B three times. Were you disappointed that you didn't um, play more games for the national team or think you deserved to play? Because in one breath, you mentioned some of the strikers that um, the Premier League had at the time and, and they were, they were different class. But you know what I mean. That, that your own reputation speaks for itself as well, and your own record speaks for itself as well. So, did you deserve more opportunities at that level? Um, that's a difficult one because I, I think um, I'll times, answer it. I'll answer it if you want. Well, no, no let, let me because <laughs> I, I think you know I, I could have been I could have been a better player. That that's just my opinion. I had. I had a lot of ability, um, but there were times where I needed a mentor, and I needed. I, I had. Um, I, I spoke to my um, my ex manager at Doncaster the other day, uh, Dave Kusak, yeah, and yeah. Um, I'll share a story with you. In that, um, Dave, when Dave was my manager at, at Doncaster, he was. Um, there was three young lads in the team, and. You know, we used to, at the end of a game, if we'd lost, we'd think, right, who's going to get it today? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, we got to change rules. It was like, so like, sometimes it was Paul Holmes, sometimes it was Sean Joyce. And and we played Mansfield this one day and we lost 1-0. Came in at full time and he absolutely tore in to me. And I've done all right. You know what I mean? And... Um, and I thought, afterwards, I was nearly in tears. And um, I 
thought, no, I need to go see him because it doesn't look as though I'm good enough to be a professional footballer. And, um, yeah, so I went to him, I said, listen, I said, uh, boss, I said, I don't know what you want from me. I'm not sure if I'm what you need. Uh, and he said, listen, Brian, he said, after the game, George Foster, who was a manager at Mansfield at the time, he says, George said, how much do you want for the centre-forward? And he said, you can't have him. <laughs> he says, mm -hmm. he's going to the top. And I, and I was a bit like miffed. I said, well, why are you treating me like this? And he said, he said, Brian, I, I'm preparing you for what's to come. You know, you're going to need to be tough. You know, because there's a lot of things going on now. That was in 1986, 1987. And he's like, Brian, you're going to have to prepare yourself to, you know, you're going to have to be resilient and tough out there. So, um, I kind of got it after that. You know what I mean? I, I kind of mm. thought, okay, well, and he, and he basically said, look, Brian, I'm preparing you for the future. And, um, you know, Dave, when, when, he, when he got the sack, you know, we, um, you know, we kept in touch. Um, he actually helped me to, um, he made some phone calls for me because I turned my contract down at Doncaster. They, they offered me a really poor contract. And I said, I, I had to, in them days, you had to reject it by a, a letter. So I, I rejected it by letter and I spoke to Dave and I said, Dave, I said, um, I said, how, um, I said, how, I said, can you help me? And he says, well, where, where do you see yourself? I says, well, I know I can score goals in this thing because it was League One and I was 18 at the time. Nine, no, I was 19, 20 at the time. I scored 10 goals. We only scored 40 goals that season. So he made some phone calls for me. So I spoke to John Rudge, who was at Portville. They'd just been relegated. And Sheffield United, Dave Bassett. And um, spoke to Dave. And Dave said, right, come in and, um, you know, for talks. Anyway, I ended up signing rest of his history and that. But um, the thing was, was that there were times in my career where I, I didn't have that belief in myself. And the times, for example, when I was down in England and it was very clicky, you know, you'd have mm. five or six players from Arsenal, yeah. five from Man United, one from Man City, um, you know, and, and, and like, it was really clicky, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and like, literally, you'd train, have your dinner, and then for people like myself, I'd just go up to my room because yeah. nobody mixed you know, no. you'd see people, you'd play with them, but it was all horrible. And um, and I thought, I don't, I don't like this. You know what I mean? Nobody was kind of, it, you know, we were just young guys. And if you're in, if you're mm. in, you're in. If you're not in, you're not in. And I, and yeah. I was, I was at a small club, so I, I had an issue with believing how good I was. And um, I remember my brother, my brother. Um, we met Pally in uh, Marbella one year. Pally said to my brother Tony, "says I don't think your brother realises how good he is." And and Tony told me, he, he um, and he said, "Brian, you, you know you've got this doubt about your ability, but I don't think you realise what these people who play against you think." And 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 it never really dropped in. And. Um, you know, so so that was that was that was at England. And I was in, I was involved in a lot of the squads, but 
I just I never felt like I was good enough to break through. Even though I was scoring goals, I, I it, you know it was just how I was. Um, so so anyway, I, I spoke to Dave recently because Dave's suffering from um, vascular dementia, and um, it made me realise because he was one of them. He didn't give a he didn't give a damn about anybody, and it made me realise that. If I'd have had somebody like him, given you know from a professional, he's not not my brother, but somebody who actually was playing in the game, telling yeah. me how good I was, I would have not given a damn about what people were saying. I would have just, I know, I would have smashed it, but I didn't. And um, but I think, but it's only a natural thing to do, though, because I, I and I and I think because 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 being a footballer, you, you you've got your own little uh, bubble to think about, and then you see other people, and you try to emulate other people. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. being a centre forward, you judge yourself on goals. You see what someone yeah. else is doing. You know what I mean? When I when I was coming through, it was a it was a similar thing that people comparing me to Michael Owen, and oh, so unfair because you know yeah. I mean I, I I play in the same team as Michael and uh, yeah. for for a national team, and it was so. You know what I mean? Chalk and cheese. I've seen how good he was, but then when you're getting compared to him and you're not really getting to the same standard, I was nowhere, nowhere, nowhere near the yeah, kind of yeah, ability but, he had. Yeah, but Andy, again, like if, if you'd have had somebody uh, who had been there, seen it, done it, and was that calming father figure yeah. to say, look, okay, you might not be Michael Owen, but these are your attributes. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, you, you know, you you would have, you, you know, you would have taken that on. But totally agree. The, problem we have, the problem we have in clubs a lot of the time is that, you know, th there's a wall and, um, mm. you know, where they should be having mentors of players and all the rest of it, it's quite a controlling environment. And I, and I, get, I, I understand it, but, you know, if, they, if, you don't, if you don't step over the boundaries and you get to know players, these are the roles because... You know, there, there are players out there who played five, six hundred games for clubs. They're no players. You know, I remember, I remember one time when um, I was at when we played when I was at uh, Borough and we played Ipswich, and I got a knock on my head. I got a bang on my head, and um, and I thought, and, and I, I, I'd not scored for about three or four games, and I and I and I, and I, and I in that instance, I was like, do you want to come off or do you want to carry on? And I came off. And, and I'm ashamed to say that it was because I'd lacked the minerals. I, you know, I, I just thought this is an excuse to get me off the pitch. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, and, I, and, I, and I, you know, it was a, there was a couple of things. And I, that's one of the things I regret. But I realised now, because I went into management, that you can't, the managers, you, you know, you can't hide. You know, if you if you played the game, yeah. you know when somebody is playing at it and when they're not mm. you know and I, and I cringe because to play under Brian Robson and you know yeah I did get a bang on my head could I have played on probably could have done it might have been dangerous for me to play on but when you played the game you know you you've you've had every single emotion in the game mm. and unfortunately we don't have enough support mechanisms around players at clubs with these kind of experiences in mentoring and all the rest of them to help with to help with players but look you know we only football's looked on as a financial model it's not looked on as a, a real kind of pillar of the community as it as it should be really yeah i totally agree
Totally agree. Um, okay, Bright. Um, just to quickly finish you off, um, I'm going to pick two questions from the live chat because I know you've got to go. Uh, so we'll go with Leslie Coates says, uh, "What is uh, the fa what's your favourite teammate at Middlesbrough? Or who was your favourite <laughs> teammate at Middlesbrough?" <laughs> don't don't say Campbell. No, I didn't go Cracking. We used to um, like thick as thick as thieves. Them two, thick as thieves. Yeah, we were. You know what? I'll tell you a funny story. So when I went to um, when I went to West Ham, I, have you ever come across Kevin Orlock? Yeah. Oh, he's so funny, isn't he? Yeah, top man. He's a top, top fellow as well. Yeah. So we used to, me and him, we used to get on like a house on fire. He's so one of the funniest guys I've ever met. But he used to call me a stretch Dean Gordon. <laughs> so, so me and Dino used to have um, we used to have fun I mean we're supposed to be playing golf um, tomorrow um, and I, I've not seen him for a, for a while um, but um, you know we, we just you know we got on we used to like the same things cars and you know my gear was always better than his you know <laughs> you've seen his gear but you know he always, it's funny because when we have a joke, it's like we talk about our cars. So I'm a little bit larger than he is, but he always says, "Dino, I seen a, I seen a, a 2012 BMW with walnut on the steering wheel. I think that'd be perfect for you. You know what I mean?" That's his. Better Brian. When we when we get when we get Dino on the show because he's on the list. When we get him on the show, we'll have to ask him the same question that you just said about him having his gear. And I always, I'm always telling him about his, because he, he likes, look, I, I like sports cars, he likes sports cars, but he seems to think I'm an old man when it comes to this. And I'm always telling him about the fact that he likes to have his cars lowered like he's, like he wants to be on the front cover of Max Power. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we, we, have, we, have, we, have, uh, we have some good fun in here. Like it. Great stuff. Brian, um, I appreciate your time so much. Yeah, it's been really absolutely it's fascinating been listening to you. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you for I'll joining us. I'll tell you what, I've got 10 minutes left if you want. Oh, come on then. We'll get some more questions from the, yeah, from the thing. Yeah, loads back. of questions in the live chat. Get some uh, more questions. So, Stuart Campbell, a certain uh, Mr. Campbell's My father, My says, uh, which manager or coach did you learn yeah. the most from? His questions. questions are getting his questions are getting better. By the way, his questions were yeah, awful yeah, about yeah. seventy shows ago. His questions are getting Just better. Hope it's not like your banter on a night. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sober enough, mate. I tell you. So, so it's again, it's different for different reasons. I mean, I learned a lot when I was coming to the end of my career from Alan Pardew, um, and the reason why that was was because I was an old pro going at West Ham. And the way how he managed me, I didn't realise until I actually went into management how hard it is to manage players and especially old play, older players, you know. Um, and if it wasn't for Alan Pardew, I probably wouldn't have thought about going into management because he was the only manager that I had that actually encouraged me to go into management. He says, listen, Brian, intelligent guy, I think you'd be a good manager. And at the time, he was releasing me, yeah? So I was mm. like, you just, can I swear? I'm not, I'm not going to swear on here, but no, I was thinking can't. to myself, 
I was thinking, you're just telling me that because you want to, you know, you, you want me to feel good about myself. And um, so I went out. He actually gave me some um, paperwork about, you know, going into coaching, managing, you know, doing management diploma and all of that. And um, it was obviously based on some of the things that he'd seen me um, get involved in in the changing rooms with the younger players and all the rest of it. And I remember before I went out to Sarpsborg to manage out there, I went to see him at because um, he was a manager Newcastle at the time, and I'll never forget that because you know we all you know he wasn't the most popular with everybody, but you know you have to survive as a manager. You can't be anybody's friend. Um, you have to be aloof. And that was just his management style. Now, I don't know Alan as a, as a person, but I learned so much from that experience, um, you know, about how his, you know, how his teamwork was. You know, it's, I, I, you know, Dave Bassett was brilliant when it came to teamwork and siege mentalities. But in terms of getting people up just before the game, um, I learned something from Alan Pardew that I wouldn't have done and what that was was we played against um, Sunderland when I was at West Ham and he dropped me for the game and I was absolutely fuming I want I tell you you know you talk about angry I wanted to kill everybody and I was capable at that time you know um, so um, we, we were losing 2-0 at half time and he's played Jermaine Defoe's playing up front with Marlon and you know but when you get um, when, when you get to, to that era in your life you want to play every minute of every game and um you know we we were 2-0 down at half time and um put me on at half time and we won the game 3-2 and basically i went on and i just caused chaos for 45 minutes and um you know after the game everybody's coming in and he, he sat everybody down and says listen he says um i said there's one guy in the changing rooms who, you know, he's, I, I know he's not happy. I know he, you know, but he's been very professional. He's come on. He's the reason why you've won the game today. And, and he said, you know, and he turned to me and he said, look, I, he said, I thought magnificent. He said, I want everybody to give him a round of applause. So every, all the players started clapping me, you know, and, um, <laughs> It was one of them strange moments in my career where I wanted to kill somebody, but at the same time I was overcome with emotion. And you know, it was just a it was just a perfect moment that made me realise that I had the respect, but I couldn't. It, it kind of killed me with kindness, if you get yeah. what I mean. But it was it was perfect management. You know, but you said uh, you said earlier, Brian, you said um, that he wasn't everyone's cup of tea. Um, but do you think he doesn't get the respect and the praise that he deserves at certain clubs? Because you, you mentioned West Ham, and obviously we got a lot of West Ham followers, by the way, who uh, watch his show. Yeah. And um, obviously they haven't they're not they haven't been inundated over the last probably decade with uh, with managers who they've who they've loved. So you know what I mean. Sometimes yeah. you. Don't you know what I mean? Don't don't wish for something that you that, that you want rid of. Sometimes yeah. you know what I mean. That, that that I don't think he probably did get the credit he deserved because he had a he had a relatively good bit of success at West Ham. Listen, I'll tell you now, like the football we played down there was 
fantastic. He was building the kind of players he recruited. And, and this, I've got a beef about recruitment in clubs, me, because sometimes what, uh, recruitment um, departments work. Because I'll give you an example. So you look at a team like um, Manchester United and they buy Romelu Lukaku, right? You look at how Romelu Lukaku has been successful as a player. He plays on the shoulder. He plays, you know, he, he gets on a, in a race. Yeah? And, and that's where he's dangerous. Look up when he's running the length of the pitch, setting up goals and everything. You buy him at Manchester United and you play him with his back to goal. Yeah. Now, I know as a centre forward and, and as a coach, the best, the only way he's going to be, um, you know, um, what's the word? Sorry, it's um, the only way he's going to be effective is if he's on the half turn and running at people. Mm. Totally you agree, hundred percent. And you've got to buy play if you if you invest. £70 million pounds on a centre-forward. What are you doing with the rest? What squad are you putting together to make yeah. him into a £100 million pound player? Mm. What, you've, got to, you've, also, you've also got to play him with strengths as well, Dobry, haven't you? You, know what I mean? you, you just said there, you know what I mean? Look at we uh, Chelsea. Lot, really, when, he, when he was at Chelsea, when he was at West Brom, when he was at Everton. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the teams he's played for, played to his strengths, he scored goals. Inter Milan now, he's, he's year, scoring he goals. So, so, so that's what I'm saying. So, the point is, I'm like, for me, I'm going to take a bit of a... I think what what clubs need to do is they need to decide on an identity. And that identity needs to be club-owned, right? So what I mean by that is, this is how we play. This is, you know, the fans buy into it. This is what the fans want to see, Yeah. Look yeah. at Sheffield United, right? That's their identity. Look at Leeds United, that's their identity, right? The, the identity now is club-owned. That's what they expect from this point forward. So when you bring somebody in in, in, in the head coaching role, you don't you, you, very few coaches, for me, should be able to dictate how a club is, is, is how the team performs and how they perform, what the recruit should be. Those are super coaches. The rest of them, you should be brought in to deliver the message. You should be brought in to deliver what the fans want. And if yeah. the fans want fast attacking football, then you bring in, you interview people who can bring that to you with a strategy. You know, it might be that, okay, we're going to play, you know, we, we want quick wingers. We want one quick winger. We're going to play possession football whatever it like but it's got to be club owned because that's why a lot of fans end up being disenfranchised because they're thinking what am I watching what can I you know when this game finishes and we've lost that's my weekend gone <laughs> you know, can't get it back you know so I'm going to be miserable for the rest of the weekend you know just a thought but I, I see it all the time and I'm like I can't believe what I'm seeing and I've stopped talking about it on you know because I think everybody's a, everybody's an expert now, you know. Well, Bright, oh. um, Roma, Roma, Romelu Lukaku has scored twenty six goals in thirty nine games for Inter Milan. 
He scored 53 and 110 for Everton, and he still scored 28 and 66 for United. The man will score goals, but the difference between what Everton and Inter Milan are doing and what Man United did with him is they're playing to his strengths in that they're putting the ball in the areas where he's going to do the most damage. And when you do yeah. that, he's almost unplayable. Yeah. Um, you know, Inter Milan signed Ashley Young specifically to put the ball in the areas for Lukaku because no. you can't tell me that they were looking at Ashley Young as a potential sign-in before that. In my opinion, you know, I might be wrong, but they that that, that seems to have been their aim and they I mean, worked yeah, out well I mean, for them. Yeah. I mean, we could have picked on any player, but that's the one that stands out. There are other players who you might spend 40, 50 million on and you think, well, what's the strategy behind this player? How do we play to his strengths? Hmm. You know, so many players become depreciating assets. I mean, which other industry do you know where you can spend 50 million on a player and then lose the, the value in three years comes down to 15 million? That's hmm. not sustainable. But we, we, we allow it to happen. There's no accountability. Totally agree. Spot on. Totally Spot agree. Spot on. Um, what else have we got? We've got a few questions. Uh, let's have a look. Let's pick, I'm just going to pick a random one. Pick last one, yeah. So let's just go with the last one. Uh, who's the best player that you played with? Um, that's great a difficult shot. one. It's a great, it's a great um, question, though. I can't, it, well, I'll, I'll mention <laughs> some of the players I've played with. First, um, so obviously Tony Aboa, um, Janino, um, Alan Botsic, Joao Pinto, Nuno Gomez. Um, <laughs> scary, that isn't it? That's scary. Uh, so it's difficult. It's really difficult because all of those players are world-class players, and. Yeah. Um, you know, the two guys up front, Yaboa and um, Boxic, were just, they're on a different level. You know, the, you look at, I would put them both on the same level over the years as Ibrahimovic, as um, as Cavani. Cavani's a very good player, by the way. I don't know what he's like now at his age, but fantastic player. I'd say it's difficult to compare with the likes of Ronaldo because... I think him and Messi are on a different level and, and have been for a number of years. So, But those kind of players, Janino as well. Um, I mean, I played in his uh, when he made his debut for Borough. And, um, you know, I just remember him picking up the ball from the from the centre-backs and just running all the way through. And, and you couldn't catch him. We tried to put John Pemberton on him, who was... Um, very quick, but he couldn't catch Janino. And when Janino had the ball, he's, he's just phenomenal. Mm. Um, so there's there's a number of players. And um, I mean, when I was out in Benfica, Nuno Gomez, he, you know, was, I think he's he was before, he's probably the second or as Cristiano Ronaldo, Paul Letter and Nuno. I don't know. I don't know if Nuno's two or three. But when I, when I was at Benfica with Nuno, um <laughs> I mean, he was just frightening in front of goal. And as a, playing with a forward, when you go to a when you go to a different country and you're playing in front of sixty thousand people, and you know if you don't score for Benfica after twenty minutes, the white handkerchiefs come out and the crowd are happy. And then all of a sudden, Nuno Gomez pitches up with a goal. <laughs> you know, it's it's you know it just calms everybody down. He was he was a brilliant striker. 
on, honestly, really was, you know. Pure class. Yeah. Rod Wallace Superb. at Leeds, you know. Underrated. Me. Yeah, you know. Um, so, I, I've been fortunate to play with some really good players and, um, you know, I, I think that the, what, what gives me comfort is I played with those players, so I couldn't have been a bad player. <laughs> totally agree. And, 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 and for me, Brian, that, and, and, I, and I think that's probably, that, that is the perfect way for me to finish, that, that, that's, that, is, that, is, that is basically my point for you. And, and, yeah. and, and I think sometimes when you, when you talk about your own career, you don't give yourself enough credit. Uh, and I'll go back to the intro that we give you. You've just answered your own point that you, you're that kind of player because you've mixed with those players, and rightly so, because somebody or some people or some managers or some clubs thought that, that you'd fit in, and you did fit in, mm-hmm. and more. Yeah. I'll so we started it. We started and ended in the same manner. I like Indeed. that. Uh, Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, my friend. It's, it's been really, amazing. really has. Thanks for coming and, on, Brian. Uh, you are most Thank definitely you. welcome back anytime. Totally agree. Cheers, Brian. Cool. All right. Thank guys. you, my friend. Nice you, yeah. Cheers, Brian. Take yeah, care. Yeah, Stay man. safe, Frank. And you. Take care. Cheers, Brian. Bye. Bye. And uh, that was Brian Enjoyed Dean. That. I enjoyed that. Another conversations with a legend, mate. Need to change uh, the name of the show or I'd create a tagline. Yeah, conversations with legends. Enjoyed that. Um, right, let's have a little chat then, mate. We haven't had a we haven't had a chat just me and you without it being championship uh, championship based for a not while. Li- not in live, no. So if anybody if so, anybody's got if anybody wants to ask you questions, well, by the way, feel free. We've got. Uh, well, we'll have another ten minutes or so. Yeah, we've got ten minutes or so. Yeah, why not? Throw, throw a question but, um, into it. I got some. I got some questions for you. Go on. If uh, if Anthony Martial was sent off for slapping what's <laughs> his face, it wasn't uh, a slap. It was like a Torval and Dean in the face. He slapped <laughs> him in the face. Rightly so. You know, if you do that in this day and age, you slap someone like that, you got to go. It's petulant. It's stupid. But surely, uh, it was it was Lamella. He's got to go with VAR. When you've got video technology, surely he has to go for sticking his elbow in Martial's face. Otherwise, what is the point? Mm. Um, uh, I was I was annoyed, sir, yesterday, and I, I'll, I'll I'll tell obviously the listeners and the viewers um, why I was annoyed. Um, I missed the best game of football, I think, um, <laughs> of the season. Uh, I decided to go for run. I decided to go for a run, so I missed um, I missed the first half, um, and I came back to a, a message from you to say red card, blah blah blah, this that whatever, and missed um, a half time highlight. So I had to wait till the end of the game, and, and when I seen it, I was even more annoyed, and I was more annoyed with um, how Lamella reacted because, listen, we've all been we've all been uh, we've had we've had incidents where we've uh, we've come across. Um, uh, uh, something what hurts, and if that's if that's how you react, then you know he doesn't deserve to be a footballer because he's he's intentionally got somebody sent off by his reaction. You know, I mean, would he got sent off if he didn't react like that? Possibly, but listen, we're all adults here, and we're all grown men. You know what I mean? Or they were on Saturday, or they're supposed to be on Sunday, uh, and he acted like a petulant child who rolling around on the floor trying to get right, somebody sent off. And I, and I and I and I and I I'm hoping that ret- retrospectively, um, they can punish him for what he did as well because for me. Would would the game have been different? Yeah, the score would have been a little bit different. I do believe Tottenham were were far superior on the day oh, and blew them okay. blew them away. So I don't think it, the the result would have been the result would have changed. I think Spurs would have still won the game, but 
I, I, I just think, I just think for me, you know, what I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a major incident for me. No. They could have just, they could have just both men up, manned up a little bit and just, just got on with it and just, just both yeah. stayed on the pitch, but. Here's my, but here's my point with it, right? Um, just very quickly, and I said this to you before the show, is if now what Solskjaer will do, because they analyse everything, is he tells Martial next time that happens, go down. Yeah. And then that's where we end up with players diving all the time and falling down and doing that sort of thing. Yeah. Because when they don't go down, VAR or the referees, they don't pick it up, they don't penalise the things. So if you're going to send someone off for a stupid little slap, you've got to send them off for the elbow as well. Uh, oh, here's a question. Um, James Costi, I'm going to amend his question slightly. Uh, if you could both choose three famous people, alive or dead, uh, from any era, uh, for a, he says for a dinner party, who would you pick? But I'm going to say, if pick three famous or three people, alive or dead, uh, to have as a guest on a podcast. Um, so I'll let you go first, mate. Um, uh, Michael Jackson. I'm a huge Michael Jackson um, fan. Fascinating loved, one. Absolutely loved him. Yeah, I, I just loved just uh, just to pick his pick his brains and just and just listen to his songs and just and just to sit and have a have a chat with him. You know, I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm quite a bit of a geek when it comes to uh, old music because me mum and dad brought me up on quite old school music. So I'll, I'll I'll have another musician as well, and I'll go Lionel Richie. Just because I just love his music, I just think he's a he's iconic. He's a he's a hero. Hello. Uh, yeah, and um, and I've got to throw uh, a football hero in as well. Uh, so I'm gonna put I'm gonna go Gary Lineker because I looked up to Gary Lineker uh, when uh, just basically FA Cup finals, like Bryce said, World Cup finals. Just how 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 iconic he was, and then obviously to still be able to see him every week every day watching sports programs and stuff is brilliant because it it keeps your memories alive from from when you were a childhood and just keeps things relevant and 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 alive for me which is which is refreshing yeah so i find i'm finding it very difficult to separate my three um so i from a musical point of view i would like to either liam gallagher or jim morrison um then i would go football wise i'd like sir alex or brian clough and um then my third one would be a round table of Rodri and Ryan Giggs. No, um, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'd probably like to get Gazza on. He'd be a good one. Or yeah, like, would. actually, no, I take it all back. I'd like to have uh, Ricky Gervais, I'm, Ricky I'm Gervais, pick, or I'm Frankie picked, Boyle. I I'm find it pick. difficult to separate them. <laughs> Frankie Boyle would be an interesting one. Twenty-five people. Yeah, I can't. I can't choose. It's a good question, though. With a bit more thought, I'm sure I could have come up with some better. But um, what else we got? Uh, your dad asked us why are there so many strange results in the Premier League. Uh, so, in my opinion, it's because there's no fans, and <sighs> just the situation generally is making it harder for players to treat it as, like you've mentioned, the Pontins League when you've talked about it. I do believe that that's an issue. That players are finding it hard to get up for it or to concentrate or focus. What do you think? Um, I think players aren't scared to make a mistake, and I think that's a similar point what you just made, really. But I think people, players are playing with no fear. But I mean fear in a in a in a bad way. That um, if they made a mistake, 
I don't think they'll make the, the same mistake again because supporters are there giving them grief or, you know what I mean, wanting to, them not to make the same mistake again where, you know what I mean, and I'll use him as an example from yesterday, Joe Gomez. I thought Joe Gomez yesterday was just out of this world as in, I've never seen a performance like it for a long time and we're on about an England international defender here who's the next big thing and if he plays like that um, again, then he shouldn't be anywhere near the Liverpool side. He certainly shouldn't be anywhere near the England squad. Spot on, mate. Like, I know people like to slate like Harry Maguire and you know rightly so to a certain degree but last year he was pretty good for United he just looked like he needed a partner so that he could play on his preferred side and he was certainly very good for England all of a sudden now he looks like if I was the Manchester United manager now I would and I had the choice to pick that team number one I'd play three at the back with Luke Shaw in there but I'd also I'd have uh, Eric Bailly and Lindelof with Shaw or one of the youngsters Harry Maguire would be the one I would drop because he has been absolute rubbish and I don't know whether it's something to do with what's happened in the summer and his confidence is just gone where he's made a few mistakes but he just looks generally dreadful and I hope not having that at all Um, what else we got oh what a question this is Gaz asks What's your long-term ambitions for the show, lads, and sigh for the channel? Who's, who's going first? <laughs> um, go on, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the show first. Um, I'll listen, first and foremost, first and foremost, I, w- I would like to thank every single person who's watching right now, because if it wasn't for yeah, you good. guys, this would not be uh, where, it, right is, where, where it right currently is. Um, this was a this started off with um, a dream, um, an opportunity to do something that we both enjoy doing. We was talking about the Championship show. Um, lockdown stroke COVID-19 has turned up to be a, a blessing in disguise for, for, the, for, for this live show on a Monday. And um, it's given us an opportunity and people a, a platform to talk about football and, and something that I think everybody really enjoys doing. You know what I mean? We've got some good ideas. We've had some good ideas. We've got some future ideas to, to push it forward to another level. Um, and I would like to explore where, where that would go. Listen, I, I would love it to, to be on a, um, a bigger platform, but the only way that's going to be is, is if that's kept together because it's a, for me it's about chemistry as well, Si. You know, that, that we get on, and I, yeah. I, this sounds like quite corny in football terms, but on and off the pitch, you know what I mean? That it's not mm-hmm. just, um, uh, that you don't just put an act on, you know, that you know, I mean, we don't just rock up on a Monday night and Friday night and just, and no. just wing it together. There's, there's planning what goes on behind the scenes. There's research, which I'm guessing everybody knows. We don't just we don't just um, make turn it up, up and, 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 and make it up. You know that uh, you know. I mean, the, the questions that we get um, from you as viewers are, are amazing because a lot of the time there's some of the questions that which which we'd not seen and we'd forgotten about, and it's and it's amazing, um, and it just gives us a, an opportunity to uh, basically. I'm living a dream, and I'll be honest. I'm living a dream talking to people that I classed as heroes to me. Uh, teammates, but heroes, um, people that 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 I probably didn't respect as much playing with them and playing against them than I do right now as a, as an ex player, um, and and that 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 gives me even more um, uh, happiness that I can that I can share my experiences and, and everyone else's experiences and be as close to them on a the screen because you know what I mean it's not like that you're in the same room as them you can shake hands and have a bit of banter but it's the next best thing and it's it's amazing. Yeah, spot on, mate. I couldn't have said it better myself. Obviously, like we talk every day, 
we uh, we talk about this, we talk about other stuff, we go through stuff. I bounce pretty much every idea I have for other shows and series. I usually put them through you along the way because I value your uh, opinion and you'll tell me whether it's good, bad or not sure. Um, in terms of ambitions for the, you know, for the show, like, don't think I've made any secret of it that I'd like to, you know, I'd like it to grow and grow and grow and then see see what is, you know, what opportunities are on offer at the end of the day. Uh, what Those opportunities will only come if we keep doing what we're doing, we keep growing. Um, but it's also important to, to me, and I know it's important to you, that we don't lose what we've got in terms of our relationship with our viewers and the people who watch and ask questions and message us throughout the week and all this sort of stuff. So that's important. You know, whether that would take us to radio or TV, whatever it may be. Or I'm also very happy to do this week in, week out and just keep speaking to, you know, legends of the game, interesting people. And the good, and and the good go thing about it, si, isn't it, you know what I mean? And, and, and you know what I mean? And I was talking about this with, with, with my dad and, and, and other people that um, the good thing about having current ex-players on is it's endless because yeah. every year it's there's a, a probably 200 more players coming through. So there's 200 ex-players going out the game. So it's, it's a revolving door, so to speak. You know what I mean? Managers, coaches, supporters, women, um, footballers, you know, that um, my phone, uh, social media, um, contact list is, is, is just, is out of this world because of the show. And it's, it's helped confidence. It's helped. It's, it's given me, for me, sir, I'll be honest, it's, it's given me, it's given me my love back for football. Um, you know, I, I think I'd probably lost. I've not. I'm not. I've never hidden it. Um, after losing my job uh, within football, I'd lost a little bit of probably a little bit of love, a little bit of confidence in, in my ability. But it probably wasn't in terms of my own ability. It was something I was doing something that I didn't really want to do. And I didn't really enjoy yeah. doing it at the time. You know, whereas my passion is talking about football and being involved in football, but being involved in my terms and not being involved in someone else's terms. So you know, what I mean, I'm quite content and and happy. You know that. We we did one show, which was yeah, which was amazing. We then carried that one show over, but but changed it, changed the direction of it, um, and then we decided to continue with the old show, condense it, but make it fresher and more interesting, in my opinion. And for me, both shows work um, really, really well. They're both married together really well. Um, they're both completely different, um, but the research what goes into both shows is is so different and. Uh, refreshing, but it's yeah, it's never ending. It is, but you know what I mean. It's 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 good that it's when the, uh, the, the timing of them. But no, that it's, it's that's really good. It was a great question, by the way. It, it, it was a great question. Yeah, and just to finish off on that, I'll say, um, like the one benefit that we have now is that obviously the channel, uh, the show, me and Andy own fifty fifty. The channel I own, um, so we're very much in control of everything, and um, we have support from Black Diamond Sports and we have obviously sponsor and stuff like that. But ultimately, like we, you know, we, we, we're in control of what's said. We will always give honest opinions. Sometimes people don't always agree. Sometimes people don't always like our opinions, but it, there are opinions and we'll give them honestly at all times. Um, and also I just like to say, cause I he did ask in the question about the channel in terms of the channel, I just wanted to grow. It started off as a hobby project to enable me to start podcasting, to help my own mental health. It's kind of grown into something 
way way beyond what i thought it was going to be and i hope that it continues growing um at 9:30 tonight on youtube 9:40 tonight on facebook i'm dropping a trailer for um a new series which is mental health in sport i'll tell you about much um and it's just a trailer for the first three episodes um and that is a series which is something i've worked really hard on i'm very very proud of um talking to current and ex-footballers about their issues with addiction mental health ptsd and stuff like this and you'll see some of these guys in a light that you've never seen before um and you know, it's just something which i've wanted to do from the start of the channel which was mental health stuff something i'm passionate about so we'll see but ultimately we want to keep growing everything and the way for us to do that is for you guys to spread the word share because that's the quickest way for us to grow so tell everyone uh, but let's in the minute in the meantime let's get some more questions on the go sure i saw another question uh, or two there uh, do, 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 do. I'm still looking for questions now. They're all, it's just comments. It's difficult to fish them out. Um, we had that one. What did Donna ask? Who's going to win on Thursday, Wales or England? Wales. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I didn't even know they were playing. Is it friendly? Is it no friendly? Idea. No idea. I didn't even know they were playing. I, I lost a lot of time for international football like the euros where, and stuff like it, that i it, care it, about but like is it at wembley have i missed the, have i missed something it must be at wembley is it wembley um a, a game a game of that magnitude between two home nation teams behind closed doors for me is a pointless exercise i just don't get it i, I get that i get that there's an international break and friendly yeah they want games but i don't know is it England, I can only go on England's because obviously I know England's squad and he's picked 30 players and he's got three games and he's going rotate to the, rotate the game. So what, what, what am I going to learn from three games? If they win all three, am I going to think they're going to win the World Cup? No. If they lose all three, do I think Gareth Southgate needs to lose his job? No. I just, I, I, for me, it doesn't, it doesn't work. For me, I, I'm a big advocate of these games, but play, play Brazil. Yeah. Play Brazil, play Argentina. Test England, yourself. England's best eleven against Messi, etc., and see how you how you get on because they're yeah, the same for Wales the level, as well, mate. Exactly, and that's the level that you want to see your country at and and where you are because um, you know what I mean. I, I just I, I don't I don't see the I don't see the relevance in uh, in three games. You know what I mean? If it's just it's an England a game against England Wales, get it done. Play your best teams. England's best eleven against Wales' best eleven. Then we'll have an idea. But unless that's happening, I don't think it will then we'll never know. Spot on. Um, Gav, Gavin Randall, um, I'm not sure what this question means, so get back to me and I'll ask it. Um, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Uh, Geraint Cole asks, is that bottle above your head full or empty? Say that again, Sam. Is the bottle above your head full or empty? Full. Never uh, been opened. Should be two. Yeah, there's two. So uh, one was a, oh, there's three. So one's in a, one's in, where am I? One's in um, a wooden box. Um, the one's a player of the month. Um, and the one, which you can just see that, see that, uh, that one. Um, that was given by um, Alistair Brownlee. Uh, Alistair Brownlee did the radio for Middlesbrough Football Club games live on uh, radio. Oh, the runner. Is no. It? No. Oh, right, okay. Um, uh, him, and, him, and, him and Bernie Slavin did, uh, used to do the Middlesbrough games and 
Alistair was a good friend of mine. Um, and uh, and he gave me he gave me he gave me man of the match in one of the one of my first Premier League games. So I kept it forever and ever and ever. And there's a couple of times that I nearly got he nearly got drunk around Christmas time or some daft parties. But um, Alistair lost his life. Uh, I think it was about three or four years ago. Um, so for that, for that reason, it will never never be opened by me. Ah, okay. Um, James Costley says, other than Messi or Ronaldo, who's the third best player in the world right now? Unless you think they're better than Messi or Ronaldo. For me, it's, he says it's uh, uh, KDB. Yeah, it's got to be Kevin De Bruyne or Mbappe for me. You know what I mean? Mbappe's had injury problems. Uh, on his day, he's the best player. You know what I mean? For me, he's up there with, with, with those two. But it's... My problem I've got with Mbappe is where he's playing. That Paris Saint Germain, you know, what I mean, unless he, unless they're doing well in the Champions League, he's not really getting tested week in week out. He'd suit the Premier League, especially with the defending at the minute. He would uh, he would eat teams alive uh, if if Ollie Watkins is going a hat trick, for example, that, that Mbappe would clean up. But um, I just I just I just look at other players, Ronaldo, for example, who've tested themselves in um, in the Premier League, Van Nistelrooy's. Cavani's coming over. That one day, I'd like to see the best players in the world all performing week in week out in England. But um, I, I, I don't think that, that that will ever happen, though. No, a lot of them seem to come over towards the kind of end of their career. Like people um, comparing Cavani signing for United on a free to like Sanchez, Di Maria, Falcao. I think it's different in that. He's 33, he's coming off the back of, like, he scored a shared load of goals for PSG. Um, they're not necessarily desperate for a centre-forward, whereby when Falcao signed, they needed a striker so badly, they were, like, almost forcing him to play, even though when he wasn't very good. Whereas now, I think he's a great sign-in Cavani to play alongside... I think he also had injury Greenwood problems and, as yeah, well. The youngsters, yeah. I think he also I, had injury I problems he did as well. Right, mate. Falcao. I, I think he. I think he'd had. Uh, I think he'd had. Um, yeah, knee surgery. Yeah, knee surgery. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, he had serious issues, and and I think now he's he's only just getting over them now. You know what I mean? Potentially. So. Do you know what uh, Rob Boyle's just said that uh, Jack Wilshere's been released by West Ham, and he questions whether the MLS would be the next step. Do you know what? I would not be disappointed. Cardiff City should offer Jack Wilshere a pay-as-you-play deal because on his day, Jack Wilshere is a phenomenal player and he's far better than anything Cardiff have got. His problem is he can't stay fit and it's all to do with his running style, apparently. But I really would offer him, if he wants to stay in the UK, he hasn't, I wouldn't imagine he's going to have a great deal of offers. No. Offer him, a, like, not big, huge money, but offer him a good contract based on minutes on the pitch. This might come across, probably sounds ridiculous, but um, Jack Wilshere was the best technical footballer to come out of England, apart from mm. probably Gaza. You know what I mean? Since, he was, since Gaza, mate. He was, he was, he was, he was a real deal. And if it wasn't for injury, injury problems, he could have been, he could have been England's best midfield player ever, ever. He could have helped them win the World Cup because he would have dominated the midfield mm. with the right players. You know, I see the... We were on about with Emil the other week, weren't we? The other week, uh, the other month, about the golden generation. With Jack coming through as a younger player, with those kind of players, he would have 
stepped into the mould and took the pressure off the Stevie G's and Frank Lampard and give them a chance to roam and, and go and do their thing. And with, his, with, and with him being left-footed as well, he could have given them a little bit of balance. I'm not saying put play out wide on the left, but he would have given them a, a little bit more balance to, um, to help that team tick a little bit. Spot on, mate. Um, and just tying that into what we were talking about earlier, really, with footballers earning so much money, like Jack Wilshere has not played half as much as what he should have, but he's set for life. Now, yeah. now don't get me wrong. Jack Wilshere deserved that one, like the big contract he got with Arsenal when he got it. But my question is, would be since then and before then, what had he done? Like he only made yeah. he made 125 appearances for Arsenal, but at the age of he's now 28, uh, he came into the Arsenal side at like what 17, 16. Yeah. Um, he's only made like. I don't think he hasn't even made two hundred league appearances. Mm. Uh, and, and 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 this and is and this is the, in twelve years that is made. And this is this is the shame, Ty, you know, because you know what I mean. That like people people judge footballers on on contracts they have and the amount of money that they've mm. got and they won't have to work and the, and the multi-millionaires and you know what I mean. But Jack himself. Oh no, will, I wouldn't have no, no, him. No, no, I'm not saying. I'm not, I'm not about, no, I'm not on about you. I'm on about overall. yeah. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just. Jack himself will look look at, at has he achieved what he wanted to achieve? No. Has he won the trophies that he he'll have wanted to achieve? Nowhere near. Um, has he got the England caps that he deserved? No. You know what I mean? There's there's loads of no's that that, that there should be yeses because he was that good. Or he is that good. He still is that good. He just needs to, I don't know, get a little bit of luck and play some play some football and enjoy being a footballer again. Because I, I do I, I feel I feel sorry for him because you know what I mean. I know, and we yeah, just I said with so. Brian Dean that um, how uh, how depressing it can be that that tomorrow could be a last game as a player for example that yeah. he could have kicked his last game as a professional footballer nobody knows nobody knows what's going on and that will affect him um, mentally for a long mm-hmm. time you know and, 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 and I hope that um, he has the right people around him I hope he does get a move and it, and it, and it flourishes him and he enjoys his football and he plays until he's 45 because then he's, uh, then he's uh, he'll have had a good career but you know what I mean I just think uh, he's had so many injury problems and his body's taken an absolute hammering over the over the recent years and and um, it's gonna, it's gonna have taken a toll which nobody, nobody can see. Maybe. Spot on, mate. Um, okay, last couple of questions. Uh, can you believe Man United have sold Chris Smalling when they are leaking more goals than they have since nineteen seventy one? After the season he's just had. Um, yeah. This, well, has he had his chance? Um, yes and no. I can, I can, I can see why they've sold him. I think he, he's got, he went over to, um, to Roma. Um, last season, loved it, flourished, really enjoyed the lifestyle. Really, I've seen a few interviews. Really enjoyed the, the games of football. He he's playing for a very, very, very good football club last year, um, and he's came back to Man United and wanted to go back. So for me, you know what I mean, as, a, as a, from a professional point of view, a move, it's the best movies. Um, it's, it's the move that he move that he's I wanted get it for him. But from um, Man but, United's but point the, of view, I just think he's he probably the keep, best centre back of the club. I totally agree, but you you can't keep players who don't want to be there, and I think he's he's probably outstayed his welcome a little bit because of them not wanting to keep him last year. That he's probably thought, well, they didn't want me last year, so I'm not going to stay and be and play a second fiddle, not get the move that I want, the dream move that I want, and then mm. in three weeks' time be sat on the bench again. He needs he's a little bit selfish, but yeah, for me, I, I can't really. Follow. But I also think if they told him he was going to be first choice like at the in the summer now. On the back of his performance last year, he probably would have stayed. Oh, oh, but, million percent, million. If he, listen, he he's had a, a a very a very good career, but 
um, obviously came career, came through. It? Obviously Maid, started at Maidstone, started at Maidstone and um, and then obviously so came through the came through the really really hard hard work in life for being a footballer. So you know what I mean. He deserves everything from where he is now. So he's obviously started at the bottom and he's going to finish right at the top. Spot on, mate. Uh, last two questions then. Number one, uh, do you think a European Super League would work? Um, I, part of me, part of me would like it. Part of me would like it. Would it? Would it take away from the Champions League, which I do like and it, which, which is exciting? Um, I would like to see before that something in Britain, which which brings over Celtic and Rangers. We spoke about this quite passionately on the on on on, on various shows. Uh, if that's a cup competition, to see if Celtic and Rangers can battle out in uh, within the. English clubs before that happens because I just look at the Champions League um, is the format of the Champions League exciting enough to be replaced by a, a league format probably not at the minute yeah spot on mate uh, pick any two football guests one realistic and one unrealistic for the show what a way that's a good way to finish oh so uh, go on you go i tell you what you pick your unrealistic one first they got to be alive um, um, unrealistic one. Um, uh, I would love to. I would love to get. Um, I would love to get Ronaldo on. I would just. I would pay it, I would just sit and just uh, drool at the at the screen for a, a good ninety minutes. As would as would probably every every female who watches the show. Yeah. Uh, I would love to get Roy Keane on. Fab. Was that the? Is that the? Is that the unrealistic one? You tell me. <laughs> and uh, one which um, I would love to get on, and uh, I don't believe it's a, it's a pipe dream, because we've had uh, his strike partner uh, on the show is Michael Owen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or Ryan history, Giggs. There's history Ryan Giggs. there. There's history there between me and Mickey Owen. No, there's not. He wouldn't remember. <laughs> I remember, but he wouldn't. One day I'll tell the show. I'll tell the story. Not until he's been on, though. Maybe I'll tell it when he's on. See if he remembers. So my dad, my dad just wrote Gaza, and um, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would love, I would love to have to have had Gaza on when Gaza was when Gaza was Gaza. You know what I mean? When Gaza mm. was in his in his. Yeah. Um, before his problems, or, or probably even probably maybe he's at the beginning of his problems, where you know what I mean. I'm just yeah. I'm just happy to to see Gaza um, still with us at the minute. To be honest, I'll, yes. be, I'll be I'll be honest with it. Yeah, um, my realistic one. Um, it's difficult there because like, where do you draw the line at realistic and unrealistic? Because like, if you'd asked me this when we first started the show, like Roy Keane's not realistic, but we've had Emil Haskey, we've had Mehmet Dalman who doesn't do media. You know, where's what's realistic and what's not realistic at the end of the day? Like, I look at some of the guests I've had on the cricket show and I think, well, if we can get them, why can't we get Roy Keane? So it's just about knowing the right people to make that contact at the end mm -hmm. of the day. Um, I would love to get Jason Kumas on um, because I think he's a fascinating character and a, an excellent footballer back in the day. Um, who else we got? Leo Fortune West is obviously a, is a, is a, is a, be a good one. A lot of the Cardiff ones, like Cardiff sort of heroes and people like that, um, you know, we've either had or lined up already. But um, yeah, Jason Kumas is a, an interesting one. Actually, no, yeah, Jason Kumas or Craig Bellamy would be my two, which I'd really like to get on from a Cardiff point of view. Yeah, both fascinating uh, characters. Um, 
think we'll leave it there, mate. Yeah, let's finish that. Um, good, good way to finish. Enjoyed tonight. Really enjoyed uh, having Brian. I thought it was it was fascinating. Um, loved loves the story, uh, which is he's talk, uh, which, which was is good for me. Fabulous, yeah, no, fabulous. Really, really enjoyed it. Nice to reminisce um, about players, clubs, managers. Just just to listen to the listen to the story, but no, it was great, great. Yeah, I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was great to have another you know legend on the show. Um, I just love that. It's just it's. Like I say, mate, it's, it's amazing. Um, just doing the show. I thank you to everyone who's watched. Um, and next week could be, next week next Monday could be an interesting one, by the way. So just uh, just to give the give the viewers a little hint that we've um, we're hoping for a um, a current um, midfielder who's played in the Champions League this year, who's um, who's a um, who won the title last season. With his club, his current which, club. Which, which title? The league title. Yeah, which league though? I can't, I'm not going to. I'm not giving that information out. Can you give it to me at least? You, um, you know, you know it. I know. Just playing. Uh, People can yeah, guess. Yeah, Gav. Um, we've. Tr- I've tried that one. Uh, it's not going to happen, unfortunately. Um, and I'm not going to bring put the name up because it's not fair. Um, Gaz, maybe one day, but. Um, is is finding the time. Jay Bothroyd is another guest I would love to get on, um, and Michael Chopra, both of them. I'd like to get them both on together. Actually, I think that could be a good show. But uh, yeah, you know, there's loads of stuff. Guys, check out the trailer uh, for the first three episodes of the new series. It's dropping half past on YouTube, and um, nine forty on the Facebook page. Please give it a share. Spread the word. Uh, it's going to be phenomenal. And uh, you might see a familiar face appear on it at some point. Um, but there's, I can tell you this, there's an ex, ex-Wales international, ex-England international, ex-Northern Ireland international, a current EFL club captain, uh, a Cardiff City legend, and me, and Jacob, my co-host. And uh, it's going to be very interesting. And I hope I think in the in the current climate, uh, is something that we all need to talk about. Look after each other. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you Friday for the championship show, seven o'clock. Remember, it's the earliest start. We'll be ranting. Yep. My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my Auntie Louise told Mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if Mummy or Daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so we wouldn't get taken away. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and Mummy and Daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. I belong, I belong to you. I belong, I belong to you. Do just what you want.
Social Podcast Network.